I want you to do something for me this morning. I want you to go back with me by an eye of faith. I want us to go back to the night that Jesus was betrayed. Our text tells us in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 58 that on that night that Jesus was betrayed, that Peter followed him. And you know, that's something that speaks well of Peter, doesn't it? That he followed Jesus. To be sure, that puts Peter almost entirely in a class by himself. Because there were those who were present there who were the bitter, bitter enemies of Jesus. There were those who were there who were thirsting for His blood. They were hating Jesus Christ with a hatred that would not allow Jesus to even remain on this earth. Ah, but Peter. Peter wasn't a part of that hostile, hating crowd that night. Peter followed Him. You see, there were those there who had little or no interest whatsoever in Jesus. They weren't His friends, but they weren't His enemies either. They weren't there to fight against Him. They weren't there to protect Him. They were just merely there as sightseers. They were merely there as curiosity seekers. Because they felt like that when this young prophet is going to be put on trial, it's going to be a tremendous show. A show they were determined they were going to get in on. But they really had absolutely no personal interest in Jesus Christ. But you see, Peter, Peter wasn't one of those indifferent people in the crowd. He wasn't just there out of curiosity. He wasn't just there as a sightseer. The fact that Peter followed Jesus tells us something. Peter was a disciple. Peter was a friend of Jesus. Peter loved Jesus with a passionate devotion. You see, if Peter had not actually loved Jesus, Peter would not have chosen to follow Him. He wouldn't have dared to follow Him at that point. Because every other disciple, with the exception of John, had forsaken Jesus and they had just scattered and fled. So to Peter's credit, in that dark hour in the life of my Lord, when other friends had forsaken Jesus, Peter followed Him. Isn't that great? Well, it is up to a point. You remember Paul Harvey? He always said, and now you know the rest of the story. Well, the rest of the story that night is quite disappointing, folks. Because the text also tells us how Peter followed Jesus. You see, there are a lot of different ways of following Jesus. We can follow Jesus in the very closest of intimacy with Him. We can follow Him so that we are continuously aware of the inspiration of the presence of Jesus. We can follow Jesus in a way that it brings gladness to our hearts and joy to His heart and blessings to our lives. Or, we can follow Jesus fearfully. And we can follow Jesus distantly. And we can follow Jesus half-heartedly. And you see, when you read the rest of the story, the sad thing is, that's what Peter was doing that night. True enough, Peter was still a disciple. 
But Peter was not walking in the intimacy of the presence of Jesus Christ. Peter was following. But he didn't want to get too close. You see, Matthew tells us in our text, Peter followed him. This story holds more interest for us, I think. When we consider how many there are in this world of ours, how many there are that we have known in our own experience that are just like Peter. How many are there today, those who claim to be followers of Christ, those who would never publicly renounce the fact that they believe in Jesus Christ that are just like Peter. They're father, they want to follow Jesus, but they don't want to get too close. They want to follow Jesus, but they want to follow Him from afar. They've not repudiated their faith. They just don't have any enthusiasm for the things of Jesus. There's no wholehearted devotion There's no passion for Jesus Christ. There's no passion for the church He died for. There's no passion for the work of the Lord. Folks that follow. But they follow from afar. How did that happen? How did it come to the point that Peter was going to follow Jesus, but he wasn't going to get too close to Him? Let's be honest. As I said a moment ago, all of us in our own experience, we all know and we have all known folks that didn't follow Jesus too closely. We know and we've known those who once upon a time followed Him closely, but now they're afar off from Him. They've not altogether renounced their faith in God. And yet they stayed away from the services of the church for years. I don't think for a moment. I don't think that Peter woke up that day and Peter said, well, I'm going to be a far off disciple. I don't think Peter woke up that morning and he said, I'm going to be a disciple from a distance. I don't think he sat down and deliberately decided he would be a half-hearted, useless disciple. I've never really known anybody that actually did that. Almost everyone, before coming into the church, expects to count for something. I've never really known anyone, maybe there are some, but I've never really known anyone that decided in advance on a life of uselessness. I've never known anyone that decided ahead of time that they were only going to be halfway surrendered to the Lord. And yet so many over the years drift into a position like that. A position that they're not fully surrendered. A position of half-hearted service. And little by little they are following from afar before they're even aware of it. They drift into it unconsciously. Peter began following Jesus from afar. 
because of his self-sufficiency. You remember, Jesus knew. Jesus could look into the heart of men and women. Jesus could see past the veneer, He still can, and see what was on the inside. Jesus knew Peter's weaknesses. And Jesus warned Peter and He warned the others. He said, all of you shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered abroad. Jesus said that, but that statement didn't startle Peter in the least. It actually made Peter a little bit defiant. I can almost by an eye of faith see Peter as he kind of bowed his back and with obvious indignation said, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, I will not be offended. Oh, I can see Peter boisterous, bold, impulsive Simon. Lord, everybody else may be offended. I'm not going to be. He's sure of himself. Lord, you're mistaken about me. You don't know my strength, Lord. You don't know my loyalty, Lord. Others may fail you. My brother Andrew, you may not be able to depend on him, but Lord, you can count on me. Are you listening? Self-sufficiency is never a good way of bringing us close to Jesus. Write it down. Take it to the bank. It's a fact. When we approach Jesus, we must approach Jesus through the pathway of humility. We don't come to Jesus except coming to Jesus by a sense of need. That Pharisee in Luke 18 that went up to the temple to pray, he was actually a quite decent man. He fasted twice a week. He gave tithes of everything he possessed. He wasn't an adulterer like others. But you know what else? He was so far from God. That Pharisee's self-sufficiency put an impassable barrier between him and the God of heaven, the one he was praying to. That publican over there, by contrast, in spite of his sin, in spite of his evil past, that publican came immediately into the presence of God. And he did it because he had nothing to say for himself except that he was the most needy and sinful man in the world. Peter was self-sufficient. And he was disobedient. Disobedience always builds up a wall between us and God. The truth is this. Sin always separates between man and God. Isaiah of old said in Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2, The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is His ear dull that He will not hear. Now listen. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. One of Peter's greatest failures, if not his greatest failures, was Peter's failure to pray. you remember what had happened that night in the garden? Jesus had eaten the Passover with the other, with the twelve. And He'd gone into the garden 
of Gethsemane to pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John. Jesus told them to watch and pray that they did not enter into temptation. Jesus knew the terrible ordeal that was ahead of them. He knew that the testing time was going to come. He knew that if they approached that testing time prayerless, they would also approach it powerless. So Jesus, as He goes deeper into the garden, He says to Peter and to James and John, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Jesus urged on them the necessity of prayer. And they decided it was a good time to take a nap. While they should have been praying, they were sleeping. And so when the testing time came, they weren't ready. Prayer is a way of realizing the presence of Jesus Christ. Prayer is how we keep in touch with Jesus. The prayerless disciple will always be the one following, but not too close. Beloved, we cannot neglect the place of prayer and stay in intimate relationship with Jesus. It's an impossibility. So because Peter failed to pray, when the testing time came, Peter had no courage. Peter was not so panic-stricken that he became a complete deserter. But he dared not follow Jesus too closely. He was afraid he might be identified with Jesus. He was afraid he might have to share that cross. He was too devoted to completely forsake Him, but he was too afraid to follow close enough to receive any help from Jesus or give Jesus any help. So what did Peter do? Peter ended up with the wrong crowd. He wasn't walking in the fellowship of Jesus anymore. He wasn't finding his companionships among the servants of Jesus. Those he was walking with were the servants of the high priest. And they didn't believe in Jesus. They thought he was an imposter. Peter was among those. He was with people who not only did not love Jesus, they absolutely hated Him. So Peter finds himself in an exceedingly trying situation. The atmosphere around him was tense with hatred. It was chilly with scorn. It was full of contempt and ridicule and running with the wrong crowd made it easy for Peter to become a coward and a liar. And it dampened his enthusiastic loyalty for Jesus. Oftentimes, I'm afraid we don't 
think about the power in an atmosphere. I don't think we realize the power in our companionships. I've known those who were once faithful to the Lord, who lived among and close to the wrong atmosphere and the wrong relationships and the wrong influences till their taste for things spiritual was completely lost. Folks, you can live in the wrong atmosphere and dwell among the negatives till the heavenly manna becomes insipid and nauseating to us. You can live in the wrong atmosphere to a point that your moral sense is blurred and you actually lose your capacity to be shocked. Like so many that we've all known in our own day and time, following at a distance, Peter lost his faith. He couldn't live in a hostile crowd and dwell among the negatives and keep his faith unshaken. Mark tells us in Mark 14, verse 54, Peter went into the high priest's palace and sat with the servants. Why would he do that? Why would Peter do something like that? Was it to give Jesus the encouragement of His personal presence? No. Was it to make good His promise that He was willing to go with Him both to prison and to death? No. He went in and sat with the servants so he could see the end. That was it. Peter had lost his faith. And he lost his courage at the same time. He had already been made very much afraid at the arrest of Jesus. And now Peter's overwhelmed with utter panic. The servant girl says to him, Aren't you a disciple? Peter's evasive and declares he, he doesn't understand what she's saying. And so the question comes to Peter a second time. And that second time he emphatically denies knowing Jesus at all. When the question is asked the third time, Peter begins to curse and to swear. I don't know that man. Why would he do that? Why would Peter do something like that? Men and women do not dare greatly for things in which they've lost all faith. When we believe mightily, we're courageous. When we stop believing, we become cowards. Do we realize... What a great chance Peter missed out on. Peter could have been such a great help to Jesus. And yet instead of being a help, Peter was a hindrance. How much might it have meant to those misguided servants of the high priest if Peter had remained faithful and Peter had remained true to Jesus? What kind of influence could it have had on them? As it was, all Peter did was help 
confirm their unbelief and their wicked rebellion. The disciple that follows at a distance is seldom an asset and usually a liability. They don't end in victory. They end in disaster. They don't honor the Lord. They only deny Him. How many far-off disciples? How many far-off Christians have we all known in our own experience? I don't mean those that with an oath have declared they don't know Jesus the way Peter did. And yet they've done it in a way more emphatic and more hurtful. It's been declared by lives that have abandoned the Lord. Lives that have abandoned the church. But here's the beauty in the life of Peter. Peter followed. He followed afar off. But we can find hope in the life of Peter. With Peter, Jesus shows us that those who followed Him afar can once again follow Him closely. Remember what happened after that third denial? They were leading Jesus up the stairs and He turned and He looked and He and Peter locked eyes. Peter looked at Jesus, looked at Peter. And Peter looked at Jesus and Peter saw the sorrow in His eyes and it broke Peter's heart. And when it broke Peter's heart, he went out and he wept bitterly. And Peter died to his arrogance. He died to his self-sufficiency. He died to his self-importance. And a little bit later, on the Sea of Galilee, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus fixed breakfast for Peter and the others. Peter and Jesus talked that day. And Jesus restored Peter. And the disciple who followed afar off, who went out and wept bitterly, who denied Jesus, came back to be the great preacher of Pentecost. Jesus Christ was able to use Peter. And I don't know about you, but the story of Simon Peter gives me hope. Because if Jesus Christ can take a flawed disciple like Simon Peter and make him useful in his kingdom, Jesus Christ can take a flawed disciple like me and you. And we can be useful also in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now here's the thing. Have you ever started following Jesus? Have you ever, in simple trusting faith, confessing His name before men, repenting of sin in your life, been buried in the waters of baptism to follow Jesus? But maybe you did that. If you've never done that, I beg you to do it before you leave this building this morning. But maybe you did that, but like Peter, you followed afar. Just like Jesus restored Peter... Peter can, Jesus can restore us to a life of usefulness. I don't know what's going on in your life. 
I don't know what the needs of your life might be. Whether it's to put Jesus on in baptism for the very first time or whether it's to say, Lord, I'm coming home. But remember what we've said so many times before right here. If Jesus Christ is not Lord of all of your life, He is not Lord at all in your life. If there are changes you need to make, and we can help you make those changes. Let's be standing together right now, please. If we can do something to help you make those changes, we invite you to come right now.